Hello and welcome to a Sideways Life podcast. My name is Al Elliott. My name is Leanne Elliott. And we are today in what episode are we? We're episode three, season three. I should have said that the other way around. Season three, episode three. Um, and today we're talking to a lovely couple called Chris and Dana. Now, what do we know about Chris and Dana, Leah? Um, Chris and Dana, well, we, ori- we originally found Chris and Dana on the old Instagram. Um, and I'm sure for people who know us or listen to us often will come as no surprise as to why we were attracted to their uh, profile, uh, which is called Explore with Wine. Mm-hmm. You, I think the first message I said to Dana was, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the regular listeners and anyone who's friends who's listening to us will know that uh, that wine is a pretty serious uh, part of. I think it's the I think it's the reason why a marriage is succeeding. Oh, without doubt, <laughs> it's a secret to a happy, a relatively happy marriage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. So. so they're on Instagram, explore dot with dot wine. They are travel bloggers. They live in Florida. Um, and they've, they've just got an interesting, interesting story, really, haven't they? Yeah, really interesting. We talk a lot about, uh, so we talk about wine, obviously, um, and uh, they're like us. I think they tend to prefer the Italian, Spanish wines and maybe the, the New World, sort of um, South American too. Yeah, they like bold, fruity red, don't they? Yeah, as opposed to the French or, um, sorry, Dad, if you're listening, my dad's a wine writer and he loves French wine and we're, uh, we're a bit more Spanish or a bit more uh, Malbec, aren't mm. we, than the, the Monty, whatever the French wine is. <laughs> Should have done some research before we did this, shouldn't we? Mm, anyway, moving on. So we also talked a lot. Um, uh, parts of it we talked, we got a bit, little bit Dana-centric because um, she's got a fascinating uh, past. Uh, she grew up in the former Yugoslavia and moved as a teen to, was it she moved to Florida? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, by the way, great story about why she, why, why she moved there. <laughs> I think you'll like that. Um, and, uh, and so we did talk a little bit about what life was like back in the 90s, um, although she doesn't, she's not that old, so she doesn't remember much of it, but she tells a little bit about what it's like to live in the 90s during the, the conflict um, and uh, the fall of Yugoslavia, which is um, both a fascinating, harrowing time. Um, and, uh, and it's probably, you know, it's, like it's, just, it's just recent history. It's 20 years ago. Yeah, it? such recent history, absolutely. I think you told me that you remember sending parcels over to... Bosnia. We did. Our, I think it was our school or our church did um, like Operation Christmas Child, and we sent um, shoe boxes full of like some toys and but things like toothbrushes and toothpaste and combs um, to children in Kosovo who've been yeah impacted by the war. So, so yeah, I, I remember it. And I think that uh, that Dana also gives us um, so some great stories about uh, the funny. Um, not necessarily the funny parts of that time, but when you go back to Bosnia and uh, and there's some some great some great stories around that. So uh, it's not uh, it's not all necessarily around the the conflict. It's around um, uh, it's around what it's like Bosnia's like now. Which is um, anyone who's a, who's a regular listener will probably know that Bosnia is one of the places that is our shortlist to potentially live for a very long time. Um, mm. So it was very interesting to us. So, shall we crack on and listen to Chris and Dana? I think we should. I imagine people are bored of listening to us at this point. I imagine they would be. Mm. Anyway. Right, so, <laughs> I'd say without any further ado, but there have been plenty of ado. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's Chris and Dana. Okay, so we're, we're joined here with Chris and Dana. Uh, they are a couple who have got the Instagram, in fact, they've got the website as well, Explore With Wine. Uh, really, really interesting couple. They've got a great story. Uh, so we're going to be l- talking a little bit about their story today, about what Explore With Wine is about, 
um, and uh, and more importantly, more about travel and how they live their life. So uh, welcome, Chris and Dana. Dana, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Good you. To welcome. Be here. So I think the first the first thing we want to know really is what is your story? How did you meet? How come you're in Florida? I'll, I'll go first. So we uh, we we met at work uh, for the first time. We we both work for the uh, local uh, electric company in, in Tampa, Florida, near where we live, and. Uh, I'm from Florida, uh, born and raised, and lived here most of my life. Yeah, and I um, I came to Florida um, back in 1997 after the the war in former Yugoslavia with my with my family. I was I was a teenager, um, and um, eventually ended up working in the same place as as Chris. So that's where we met, and that's how it all started. <laughs> and you're originally from uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Herzegovina. Everybody, oh, everybody says it differently, but yeah, Bosnia and Herzegovina. <laughs> what's the, what's the proper way to say it? Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yeah. <laughs> One of our absolute favorite countries in the world. Yeah. Uh, that we spent some time in Mostar and some time in Sarajevo and Chitluk, and we absolutely loved it. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, later on. Um, so tell us a bit more about Explore with Wine. What was your thinking behind that? Well, we kind of, I mean, we've for the nine years we've been together we've been always traveling and all of our friends are like oh well how do you decide where do you go and how do you find all the information and how do you why don't you share that more with us so you know we always we just didn't haven't had time to really put anything together so when COVID started back in 2020 um we had a little bit more time on our hands not being able to travel or do anything like that and we were working from home for a couple of weeks so we we started our our blog um we you know write about places we go to um what our experience is what we would recommend for people to do a lot of our travel is you know geared to you know american lifestyle we, you have two weeks of vacation so we're trying to tell people hey if you go here this is what you can do for two weeks um, so it turned out into that and then from there we started talking about well we do a lot of like get-togethers with our friends and everybody always loves the food and everybody wants to know about the food so that was another part of the blog is recipes that we make at home um, especially when you can't travel so we experience other places through food and, and wine as well so that was kind of a, a gist of it <laughs> yeah I mean I guess the, it's kind of hard to, to to pick a name for, for a blog like that. So we kind of just combined two of our most favorite things, which is exploring and, and wine. Um, and most of our trips, we try to focus on areas that have um, great outdoor uh, recreation, hiking, mountains, but also, um, you, you know, we really enjoy wine and really just learning about the culture and history of the wine. So we try, you know, that's why we love Croatia, Italy, Spain, places where we can, you know, do both you know, uh, enjoy the outdoors and enjoy uh, visiting the wineries and meeting the people that, that make the wine. Is there much wine down in Tampa? Uh, there's plenty in the store, but there's there's very little wine made in Florida. Our climate is not very suitable for uh, for growing grapes here. It's not really suitable for growing much at all. It's very wet and humid and hot. Mm. Yeah, if you do come to Florida, come to, you know, during shoulder months, like October through April. The summers are brutal. It's really hot and humid. Which is the time that you you guys travel then? Is that what you tend to do if you're going to Europe, especially during the summer months? Just like a lot of people from colder climates want to go somewhere warm for the winter, we uh, we need to get out of here in the summer. And so, do you two can you two guys work 
um, remotely then? Not anymore. We did right in the beginning um, for a while. I, I'm able to maybe a day or so a week, but our jobs are very hands-on, um, running uh, power, you know, electric power plant operations and, and construction projects. So it's kind of very difficult to do our jobs uh, remotely, well, unfortunately. Because we have come, come across quite a few people on the travels we did do during COVID, particularly to Utah, people hiking behind us on the trail, talking about, oh, I had to be up at 4 a.m. to get on a, on a Zoom meeting back with the East Coast and thinking, yeah, I so wish we could do, we had jobs that we could do that, travel and work at the same time. It's just not possible in our profession, or at least our specific jobs in our profession. Right. So tell us a bit more about your, your travels then, where if you can maybe give us a top three of the places that that you've been where would they be um so recently or before covid and like last couple of years we started exploring a little bit of um south america that was um that was new to us um most of our travels have been here in us and and europe um and we found that we just absolutely enjoyed their culture their scenery like um we really didn't know what to expect the first place we went to was uh, chile and we loved it then when we came back we're like we gotta go again the next year um but you know so we ended up going to argentina and probably on like top place we loved was bariloche in uh, Nor northern patagonia in uh, in argentina it was just beautiful um we can see ourselves yeah. <laughs> settling there or working remotely from there <laughs> um but you know italy and croatia are probably up there too Definitely. um you know we always talk about places where we would like to eventually you know live we know it's not going to be in um in united states so um but italy and croatia are always on top of the list so in various places in, in europe we've never really traveled to, to asia or africa um, so don't, South Africa is definitely on our, our wish list to, to explore, um, but South America is definitely an amazing place. You know, we were nothing but su pleasantly surprised with you know, just how beautiful and how wonderful Argentina and Chile were. So we're reading on your um, website that sometimes you'll just put countries in a bag and a hat and then pick out a name and really have you done that is that how you've chosen sometimes where to go yeah yeah, yeah. we we would <laughs> both write down um, names of countries we want to go to and we kind of approximately know the time frame that we have um and then you know pick um where we're gonna go um that's yeah. how we ended up in vancouver and seattle one year we also try to like we we've made it a point since we've been together that we uh ring in a new year in a different place every year so every um new year's eve we spend in a different place we haven't been we've never done it in florida <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we've traveled other places and usually that used to be you know like one big trip of, of the year and we had you know these places that we wanted to go and we would put it in in a hat and just draw out and that's how we ended up in um edinburgh too for hogmanay one one year that was probably oh, one of our favorite yeah um, that was a great trip yeah yeah, but, but I think, you know, the important thing that might help explain that phenomenon is that we are both engineers, which, you you know, but we're also both Libras. So we uh, are very indecisive and overanalyzing of a lot of things. So we, we found we found uh, that way to be a necessity to uh, making a decision was just let uh, random luck make it for us. Yeah. So if you have if you have the job once you've got that that country decided on, how do you go about planning your 
your trips because like you say you, you, you know you guys don't get many vacation days in in the us do you so it must be have to be quite detailed planning really to fit everything in yeah yeah so we, we we've got uh, some different strong suits when it comes well we're, we're a lot alike in 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 some ways but there's a few areas where she's much better at than, than i am um and, and vice versa so she normally selects the uh she's the, the creative one I, I guess with uh selecting where within the destinations to go and um, the things to do there, and I normally handle the logistics. <laughs> Where do we fly into? Do we take a train? Do we get a car? What order should we do things in? Um, so we kind of really uh, um, support each other in in in, in that in that way. Um, but I don't know, let Dana talk about how she kind of picks where we go. Yeah, I know it's so random. A lot of it is. It's just like our interests are, and you know, now that we have a blog, it's kind of all making sense as to, you know, the keywords and what people are looking for. And so that goes into when we write a blog, what I'm thinking, you know, about like, oh, somebody would search for this so, because I know I searched for it. But it's, but, you know, we try to fit in things that we like to do. And some of it has to be outdoors, hiking. Uh, we do, I mean, before COVID, we loved city life, you know, exploring breweries, wineries, little local bars. And we don't like to do like really touristy stuff. Um, I remember when we were in Rome, we did all the touristy stuff and we're like, this ruined Rome for us. Like, you know, there's just too many people. Let's just go to a neighborhood where we don't know anybody. Walk in. We walked into a Mexican place <laughs> in, in one of the neighborhoods in Rome and they started speaking Italian to us. And we looked at them and they're like, oh, English. Huh? <laughs> so those are, those are the places that we like is to kind of try to assimilate with the locals, live in the Airbnb, go grocery shopping, take a train, you know. So that's important to us and not all the, the big touristy things. But, you know, I, I don't know. I just spend a lot of time trying to figure out what interests us and what is in, you know, in the area that we're going to and kind of trying to lay it all out. You know, we pick out, I don't know, five or six major things that we want to do. And then when we lay out the logistics, okay, this is staying in or no, this is this we have to give this one up um, or we try to squeeze in more time you know like plan our vacations around holidays and stuff like that American holidays where we get days off so that kind of works but we, I think we've gotten so much better over time that now it takes us maybe I don't know two weeks to plan a vacation where before it would be like we're sitting there for a month trying to plan everything out is there any um websites or platforms or tools that you'd recommend to people because we're the same we really enjoy getting to know the, the place locally rather than through the tourist hotspots but they're not always easy to to find have you got any tips on how you do that no so it all depends on the location you're you're going to um the one uh when we were going to costa rica there was a a, a local couple that well i think he's from costa rica and she's from somewhere in the united states and they have a blog and they go into details of every place in costa rica that you can visit and that was very helpful i think uh the website was my tan feet yeah my tan feet and yeah you can you can get to nitty-gritty local stuff that because they live there and they they can explain it the best um but every place is different and we followed um earth trackers too um but mostly for their hiking recommendations and it all depends yeah i mean there isn't really there isn't really one specific um resource that, that we've found that's right. that's very helpful for that 
Um, I will say the biggest thing we've learned, at least from you know the, the getting around side of things, is you know when you're browsing for flights from you know from the U.S., a lot of the websites aren't going to point you to some of like the the smaller um, regional airlines that can help you get around within a country for very economical. Um, you know, I think the equivalent in Europe would be like Ryanair or something like that. Ryanair is not going to pop up on a flight search in the U.S. You know, most people have. A lot of people have heard of it now, but a while ago they haven't. But most, even Chile and Argentina had a lot of smaller airlines like that, and they're very vast countries. So trying to see the country and and, and by driving, you're never going to do it. I mean, it's 48 hours to drive from one end of, of Chile to the other. I think. I, I think just you know to by just doing some Google searches and things like that, you can find some of these local you know, very economical airlines to, to move you around within the country. You know, I think a lot of Americans are used to traveling in the U.S. where as you fly one place, you rent a car and you drive everywhere. You know, we don't have very good public transportation at all, except for in some of the bigger cities. But as far as taking a train from one major city to another, it's very, very rare and difficult to do in the U.S. So um, it's kind of just getting out of the mindset of what we're used to here and what, what options are available in, in different countries. Yeah, I mean, you can probably, I think from the Northeast Corridor, from like Washington, D.C. up through Boston is probably about the only real train service that would be equivalent to what you're used to in European cities. So we have to ask you about wine. Uh, we brought along some we Istrian... We did, in your honor. Mal, Mal, uh, Malvasia, am I saying that right, Dana? Jivoli. Nastavia. So we, um, yeah, we brought along, we need, to, well, we need to ask you about your wines, because everywhere we go, we try to go to a winery as well. Um, and uh, some of our favourite wines were in the uh, around Mostar and Chitluck. We had some some amazing like Ranech and um, Blatiner and, and mm. what's the uh, white wine beginning with Z? Zilavka? Zilavka. Oh, Zilavka, Zilavka. I know people keep correcting us when we say it. And I keep forget. I keep remember forgetting how to say it. But we'll <laughs> talk us through your reds then. What what would you be your ideal? Uh, wine cellar what would you have in it <laughs> we just watched um, I don't know if you guys heard of it sour grapes a documentary where um, this guy was faking all these fine wines the Indonesian and... guy yeah. yes yeah. yes yes I watched it last year it's brilliant. It was fascinating yeah so now we're all like oh my god you know these people are wine is whatever you want it to be so you can make it as good as you know it all depends on your personal taste but um there would definitely be some um, Italians, heavy a lot of, on a lot of Italians, yeah, heavy uh, on Italians. Um, we're not too big on on, on the on the French wines. Uh, I mean, not, not that we don't like them, but you know, we're always trying to search for what do we really like, but it's not too pricey. So you know, we're looking for a good value wine, and we find that like for our taste, the Italian reds are are just you know the, the right spot, right? You know, you're getting a tremendous amount of flavor. Um, and not paying too much for them, even even in the U.S. Before we started traveling to Europe together, we drank a lot of California wines. Um, but then our first trip to Europe, we um, spent a lot of time in Spain. Our first trip together, spent a lot of time in Spain in, in the Rioja region. And we both love Spanish wines. Um, and ever since that trip, we really haven't bought any American wines, even back here. Um, yeah. you, you wind up paying three times as much for something that's not as good. Um, you know. And I think we find a lot similar with French wines. So there's people don't people know what they like um, a lot of times, but they you know I think French wines you're paying a premium for because everyone assumes French is the best wine, or in the U.S. California is the best wine. Um, 
but some of the uh, the Malbecs from Argentina are outstanding and very very inexpensive. So, um, that's that's another one of our favorites. For um, we prefer blended blends over a, a straight. I think one of our only wines that we really like to drink that's you know a single varietal is probably Brunello. Um, you know, from um, Tuscany, which is 100% Sangiovese normally, from only from Montalcino, but most of our other favorite wines are always blends. We think it gives the winemaker really the ability to pick the best features of multiple varieties and, and make the best creation. Um, that a lot of times when they're forced into, for whatever reason, um, only using a single variety, I, I don't think you wind up with the best you know, tasting wine to, to our palates at least. Italians, Argent, well, even Chilean wine, we, yes. we enjoy that as well. Um, Croatian, it's just so very hard for us to find any Croatian wine here. Um, actually, after we talked to you guys for the first time and you mentioned Macedonian wine, we've been on this quest trying to find Macedonian wine and we finally found a few bottles. We actually had one last night. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Oh, it was excellent. Excellent. I was, I was telling Chris, I'm like, oh my God, this smells, um, in Bosnia, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but everybody pretty much makes rakia, the šlivovica, the, um, so when I smelled it for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, this smells like my grandfather's basement where he used to have the barrels of, of plums. <laughs> and my sister was over too, so I was asking, she's like, I don't remember. I'm like, oh, takes me back. <laughs> when we lived in Mostar. Um, the, there was a guy, one of the neighbours who came down and he just made the rakia from, from the from the grapes. I think that's grappa, is it, when you make it from grapes? Yeah, grappa. Yeah, and he just said, yeah, he was there for three days now, back garden with uh, his shirt off, drinking beer for like three days straight, making this, this rakia on his like homemade still and stuff. And it was so cool to watch. We didn't speak any, like he, he didn't speak English. We didn't at that point speak any kind of Croatian Bosnian. But at the end of it, he gave us a little bottle of this stuff. And he's like, you've seen it, you know, basically you've got the impression that he's like, you've seen me make it, so you've got to have a little bit. And we took that with us everywhere and it was great. It was potent. Oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's very few times in Florida where you can actually drink it because it's so hot and humid. So like over the holidays, about the only time you, you can stomach to drink that. Because, I mean, at least for me, it makes me really warm. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a huge part of their culture. I mean, there were the few times we've been back to visit her, her family. It's like, if, you, if you're offered rakia as, as an aperitif or digestif, you better take it or you're insulting the heritage of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we take our rocky up business seriously. <laughs> I mean, my, um, my dad's side of the family, they had huge... Um, orchards or yeah, orchards mm -hmm. orchards of plums and that was i mean between september uh, between end of august and beginning of october that's all we did is pick plums and make rakia and i mean it was just the entire family would get involved with that and as kids you know we had no idea what all goes into it but every you know if you're not making rakia with it you're making um jams with it you're making all kinds of desserts with it you yeah it's it's a um, tradition and unfortunately one of the things they probably miss the most from you know not being there so tell us about about your your upbringing uh dana like we said we've we've been to to bosnia we, we love it so much obviously we're we're familiar with the the, the war that happened in former yugoslavia and the devastation that caused particularly within bosnia so i mean you you were there it must have been a really difficult time yeah, I mean, it was it was horrible, but you really don't um, 
I think it's harder for me to think about it now than it was living through it. Because when you're in it, you just don't have time to reflect on anything and it kind of becomes a norm. Um, and for years when I lived over here, it just never struck me as anything abnormal until you tell people and they're like, you know, that's not nor normal to have to go through something like that in your childhood. And it's not, but I think it's made us who, who we are. Um, it was, I mean, it, the hardest thing of it all is, and for my family, it was especially hard because my parents were different religions and the war Maybe. was about the religions. So my mom is, you know, what you would consider Croatian Catholic, and my dad is Eastern Orthodox, or what Serbians are. And the city that we lived in ended up being um, a Muslim-owned city through the war and everything else. And it's like, I saw all three sides. <laughs> and it was very, as a child, I just remember, you know, trying to figure out where I fit in because everybody would divide themselves even, you know, when you're playing as, as kids or in school or whatever, and everybody would divide by the groups and I never fit in. And I always used to ask my parents, I'm like, well, what am I? Like, I'm hearing these terms for the first time in my life. I never knew what Serb was or Hrvat or Muslim. I'm like, what, what are those things? And my parents were just so, they didn't want to admit that the war is happening. They just had hope that this is all going to go away. So they just kept telling us, well, you're Yugoslavian. And I'm like, but that doesn't exist anymore, you know? Like, how do we fit into it? Eventually, you kind of learn by trial and error and a few disappointments in life. But, you know, it was um, it was what it was. It was unfortunate to, to see all that devastation. And unfortunately, is when I go back, I still see that in people. It's like we, we didn't learn anything from that. People still try to divide themselves by their religion or... I, I don't know, I, in the end, it all boils down to economy, which in Bosnia has, you know, never come back since the 80s. So, you know, people cling on to things that divide them more than, you know, bring them together. But coming coming to U.S. was more devastating to me than actually living through the war, because now you're here on your own. I didn't I was 16 years old. I didn't speak English. I was going to high school with all the American kids. You know, for finally you're like on your own and you're realizing I do not belong here. You know, I was mentally, I was probably 30 years old, you know, in comparison to the kids that grew up with normal childhoods. So it was very hard for me to fit in and, and figure the way around it. But it all worked out at the end. So. So you said that you moved over, your, you and your family moved over to the U.S. in 97. And did it was it Florida that you moved to? Yeah, we've, uh, we've moved to St. Petersburg, Florida then, and we've been here ever since then. Um, it was kind of interesting why we came to, to St. Pete. Chris always laughs about that. Um, my dad had knew of a guy who was our distant cousin that lived in St. Petersburg, Florida. <laughs> and that's how we ended up here because that was the only person that we knew here. So we could have ended up in like Idaho if we knew somebody in Idaho. It was so random. Yeah. Well, one of these days I'm going to ask her to draw a family tree because everyone we run into in this town that's uh, from the former Yugoslavia is a cousin of some type. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure cousin translates directly, but uh, there, there's somehow everyone is related. <laughs> yeah, we like, oh, this is my 10th cousin. It's like, mm, that's not how it really works. But. 
<laughs> everybody's family i guess so how did you how did you get, get through that point like i said you're 16 learning english in u.s high school we've all seen the movies they look like yeah was it was it is it like that sounds like such a stupid question but you know what i mean was it like clicky and was it difficult to kind of like infiltrate that yeah 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 Never. I mean, even I was, I'm just not that type of person. I don't like to be part of the clique. I'm very independent. I think for myself. I did. I had to, you know, do it from age of 10. So it was, it was, yeah, it was very difficult for me. If I felt so like I felt blind and deaf at the same time. Because you, you couldn't communicate, you couldn't explain yourself, and then you're looking around you. Like math, chemistry, and, and physics, I was excelling, you know, on my first day, much better than anybody else that was in class with me, but I couldn't communicate. I can see the problem and I can solve it, and a teacher sees that, but I couldn't explain how I came to the solution. Um, so I knew that I had potential, but you're looked down at because you can't communicate. So it, it was it was hard, but... And you just kind of muscle through it <laughs> until you figure it out. So do you think the two of you are going to stay in um, Florida for a little bit? Yeah, we have a, a four-legged member of the family <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't travel well. So. <laughs> yeah, and our, our, our parents are both in, in the area and, you know, they're, they're getting up in, in age. And, um, you yeah, know, I've got uh, three children as well that are uh, various grades. So in... in Probably until they're off on their their own and our, our you know and our parents don't don't need our support then I think we're we're kind of anchored here but um, as soon as we're we're able we're we're looking to uh, to get out you know the, the culture here in the U S has uh, changed dramatically over the last ten years and it's just not for us anymore. I mean how I mean how has that been because again you know we've seen seen on the news and, and everything that's happened particularly in the last 18 months it it looks like it's quite intense at the moment in, in terms of i can't explain it it's it, it it defies what you could possibly imagine and, and i have to imagine there's probably some parallels to, to the whole brexit thing like how did this come to be i mean everyone is just so sharply divided and no one can see the other side it's almost like two countries within a country it really defies logic or explanation but you know that's very similar to when the war started in in bosnia it's like you could not believe that somebody who was your first door neighbor is now pointing a gun at you um you know some you went to school with their kids um and all of a sudden we started hating each other overnight it just did not make any sense um but i think humanity just people have to belong to certain group and you know if they're in that group that's the only thing that matters in life is to be part of it and whatever the group thinking is we're just gonna go with it whether we believe it or not it's better to belong somewhere than be outcasted by yourself so i i definitely saw that back home i did when we you know talk about everything that's going on here and i just keep thinking about my parents all these questions i kept asking and they just kept denying it like there's no way that there's going to be war there's no way that we need to prepare and you know sometimes people just think you know we're better than we are and i don't i don't think we are unfortunately yeah I, mean, I think it, the world has a long history of politicians rising to power by uh <coughs> blaming other people's problems on somebody else you know uh, yeah i just think that's the, that's world history right for a long time um and 
you know, the world has changed rapidly in the last 20 years, and some people have been, you know, left behind or, or not done as well as, as others. I mean, that's a huge problem here in the U.S. is just the inequality of, uh, of income, the haves and the have-nots. And I mean, it's everywhere we go, um, but it's getting so much worse here. And then someone comes along and say, well, all your problems are not you. You didn't do anything wrong. It's them. They did it. Um, doesn't solve anything, but it's a good way to, to, to build power. So I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I don't, I don't see it fix, fixing itself anytime soon. Um, I almost hate to say it, I don't see it getting fixed at all unless they get rid of Facebook and some of these other things that, you know, really amplify the, the, the message where people just keep seeing what they want to see over and over and over again and not really thinking for themselves. But, um, because it, it's weird, you don't really feel it in, in day-to-day life, and I don't know what it's like, you know, you know, over there, but we work with people of, you know, most of the people we work with are um, f- from a right-wing uh, philosophy, I guess, to lack of a better way to put it, but there's no issues at all, at all conversing with them or having friendships with them. You don't, you don't really see the tensions there. Then you just turn on the news and you're like, holy shit, this country's getting ready for civil war. I, I, it's hard to explain. It's like what you see on the TV and what you see on social media doesn't match reality. We were glued to the TV, by the way. Yeah. I think everyone in Europe was just like watching the US election like this for like five days. It was... Um... Yeah, yeah. But all of my friends, we woke up and we went to bed before we kind of knew it was going to happen. So we went to bed before anything. We got up in the morning and Chris comes out of the bathroom and I'm just sitting on a, on a bed and I'm like, he's like, you okay? I'm like, I cannot believe this has happened. And I, like my friends were the ones telling me from back home because everybody follows American politics. So I suppose our last question is moving towards the setting up of the blog um, of Explore with Wine. Um, I'm intrigued. What what made you decide that you that was an that was a route you wanted to go down? And from an actual sort of, if someone's listening and they're interested in setting up a blog around one of their interests, then would you have any tips um, for them setting that up? Well, we um, Dana, you know, read a lot of uh, blogs by other bloggers on their story on how they set theirs up and their tips. Um, we followed a lot, you know, a lot of it on the you know the technical structure, like which hosting sites to use and. Uh, I mean, we were coming at this from really zero knowledge about um, building a website at all. Um, and, and then, you know, so more of the technical side, which programs to use and how, how to structure your, your website. Um, but a lot of the other advice we just kind of completely threw out the window, um, which was, you know, focus on, focus on one thing in specific. So what did we do? We picked three things, you know, wine, food and travel. Um, yeah, I think going into it, it was, you know, a lot of was people, you know, wanting to have that information, our friends saying, you know, you guys should really share share this stuff. And I guess the other part of it was, you know, hoping we could eventually leverage it into, um, you know, some type of business or even um, income generating tool to uh, help support our travel habits. Mm-hmm. Which, which hasn't happened, but uh, yeah, I'm not, far from it. <laughs> I'm not sure we've really you know pushed to try and make it like that. We we want it to be you know reflective of, of us instead of doing whatever it takes to make it into an income generating tool. You know we're not willing to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to you know be behind something if you don't have passion for it. So that's 
you know, we put our work into it. We do all of our research. We, if we like something, we'll let you know. If we don't, we'll let you know that too. But you know, we're not just going to advertise somebody or something like that just because it's, it's not something we're into anyway. So, um, our, our hard work and our passion is behind it. And for as long as it is, we'll try pushing it. So I think that really comes through um in 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 your blog and, and in your instagram as well it's it's very authentic you can you can see that and um and what i was what i admired is you're very consistent in your posting when <laughs> we really struggle with that we get like a surge of like motivation and we don't post for ages what what's your secret how do you how do you keep yourself motivated we have only limited amount of time to do certain things like our jobs are are regular jobs are so demanding so um when i have time to write that's all i do so on weekends or at nights when we don't have anything else going on that's when we try to come up with things and we try to stay you know after our trips that we do, we don't write about things that we don't know anything about. If we've done a trip, if we've experienced it ourselves, then we'll write about it. Um, so we try to plan, okay, we're coming back, we need to put something out within a week, um, and then try to follow right after that with as many posts as, as we can about that particular trip. Um, but we're not gonna write about something that we haven't experienced ourselves. So um, usually there's like a couple months lag between our uh, posts because we haven't been anywhere <laughs> or haven't done anything um, as far as travel is concerned. So. Yeah, I think that's so important, as you said, is, is being passionate about it. And if it's what you love, then it find the time, don't you? It's, yes, yeah. definitely. So if, um, so if our listeners want to follow you, or learn more about what you do then where's the best place to start explorewithwine.com we're also on uh, instagram explorewithwine.com we're on facebook as well explorewithwine.com <laughs> great it's been so nice to, to chat to you barry thank you again so much for for donating some of your time and um hopefully when the world is is healed we'll um we'll be able to meet you somewhere Okay. yeah that would be great um, thank you for inviting <laughs> us to, to do this we appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah Brilliant. All right. Hopefully before too long, we'll, we'll be able to be back over in Croatia to see you. Open invitation and we'll have a case of wine for you. <laughs> we'll let you know if, if we make it that way. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks again so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll put all your details in the show notes. So if anyone wants to follow you or learn a bit more about you, they can go to your website. So thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Nice to meet you. Stay healthy. So that was Chris and Dana. Cool people really cool people um yeah some really really interesting insights there um from you know dana's dana's childhood in in bosnia right through to how they're they're personally battling the pandemic and keeping their their travel dreams alive responsibly um and i think actually that's probably something that people will be talking about a lot more isn't it traveling in your own country there's um there's so much to see in every place you go so i think that's a cool little cool little thought that yeah, and when we and obviously we're from the UK, and I think that we've learned uh, listening to our families back and friends back in the UK is that that that, that there's loads of things and attractions around them that we've never actually been to, yeah. and, and there's some you know your hometown or your home country has got so much to offer, um, and then hopefully when the world gets back to some semblance of normality, then you can maybe go abroad. But I'm not I'm not sure that there'll be as many people going abroad, and they'll realise their own country is great. I think you're right. I think there's definitely be a bit more of a bit more of a staycation vibe maybe not every holiday but yeah certainly some mm. so yeah and we'll um we'll share some of their their pictures of their travels on our instagram so you can see some of the cool places they've been mm. um so that's our instagram a sideways life if you want to follow chris and dana you'll find them at, at 
explore.with.wine. Uh, you'll also find their blog, uh, which is explorewithwine.com. Um, and there you can see loads of cool posts in terms of their travel adventures, their tips, um, some recipes on there as well from food that's inspired mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah, really beautiful looking looking blog. So go, go check that out as well. Talking of blogs and websites, then uh, our new website, assidewayslife.com, is now live. Um, we, uh, it's, it's, we've, as you probably know, we've moved from, or we've changed from Thravelers, and we did a whole episode, of two episodes back on that, um, on why we've changed from Thravelers to a Sideways Life. Uh, but if you want to see the show notes, if you want to see anything, any other, and we're doing other, other blogs and articles on there as well about other stuff. So just go to asidewayslife.com. Um, and also, please don't forget to, I should have, should have said please do, not please don't forget. Please do subscribe to this and download the latest episodes. Make sure you set it up so it If you want to. No, don't. No pressure. No, there is pressure. <laughs> do it now. Yeah, there is. You see, if the more people subscribe, the more the, the higher up in the charts we go. I also believe that if people leave us a review, the more people will be able to find our podcast. So leave us a review. Who, who you know, spread the love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless it's a bad review, in which then case... Then don't, no, just, no. no, it's fine. No, leave, leave, leave our competitors a bad review. <laughs> no, don't do that either, that's very unethical. No, don't do that. Alistair. Oh God, I got full named. Honestly. So I think that's probably it for now, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say that. Oh, you can't say go and live your life. That's bad. You don't want to do that. But I do want we're to not, do that. No, we're not those kind of people. No, we're not. We're we push good that, stuff we? out into the world and good stuff will come back to you. Mm.